this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the UESP podcast. I'm your host, as always, and tonight we have a full cast yet again. It's been a while since we've had everybody be able to be here, but we're doing it again. So while I get everything set up, why don't we get everybody to introduce themselves for people who don't really know what's going on? So, Loss, can you tell everybody who you are and who you think you are? (laughs) Those two, I hope, are the same. They're not the I same. go by Lost in Hyrule. I serve as a moderator over on the UESP Discord, and I do editing on UESP as well. Awesome. And now we're going to go on the sweet diagonal. And Baratron, would you like to introduce yourself for people who do not know who you are? I'm Baratron. I'm... Uh, sorry, I swear my, my husband just flushed the toilet. I'm really sorry if you guys could hear <laughs> no, that. Couldn't hear anything. Um, no. I'm very, very sorry, people of the internet. Anyway, um, I'm an admin on the UESP Discord, and I'm also the Guildmaster of the uh, UESP Guild on PC NA server. And I do some other things around the place, like a bit of uh, tweeting occasionally. And I'm sorry that I'm always kind of distracted, but... (laughs) This is what happens when you record a podcast at 2 a.m. in the morning. Or is it 3 a.m.? It's it's 2 it's two. Excellent. Yes. Perfect. It's worse when the AMs are in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the hard time. <laughs> I don't know. If the PMs are in the morning, I don't even know what happens then. <laughs> Sometimes redundancy is a good thing. Lost. In case people didn't understand. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wondered if anyone else got that. <laughs> the redundancy department of redundancy. Anyway. <laughs> yes, and down below Baratron, Alara, who would you like you to introduce yourself? I'm Alara, and I'm an admin on the UESP uh, forum, Discord. I edit the wiki and do some social media. And your webcam works now. It doesn't send across this strange, fuzzed-out image. It's great. Right. Awesome. And in the middle, last but not least, who's currently being mauled by werewolves, AKB, how are you doing? And who are you for anybody who doesn't know that yet? I'm AKB, and I'm great. I'm also an admin on the UESB. I run our various social media stuff, and I like killing werewolves. I recently learned, and this is was a shocking twist to me in this quest line, that werewolves are weak to fire, so pass that little secret on. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well... I think that's a good spot to move over into our scholarly pursuits. 
So this little segment we have here is what we like to call our scholarly pursuits, where we kind of discuss the different activities we've been up to in the Elder Scrolls related universes. So Lost, who's looking up at me from down below, (laughs) which I can tell. Why don't you get us started off with what you're working on and what you've been up to the past few weeks? Few weeks? No, it's been a week. Feels like a few weeks. One week and a moderately busy one. I've made slower progress in ESO just going through zone quests. I've made it I'd say 75% of the way through the Rift story quests. We Apparently we've detected wonkiness, so watch that. Yeah, what There's kind of wonkiness? Or... That's what I'm asking right now. Who's going to find out what kind of wonkiness it well, is? It could just be us being wonky because we are wonky donkeys. <laughs> but If they can hear me, I'm most of the way through the Rift. I just helped some people in Riften who were attacked by Sinmer. And soon I will put that threat to bed and we'll have completed all of the Ebonheart Pact stories. And then I'll move on to Daggerfall Covenant for the first time ever. I've never done any quests at all in that entire area. And I've leveled up a little bit in Blades, but there's no more story stuff. So there's nothing interesting to talk about. It's just a a number went up. I know. (laughs) We need a little bit more for that. Um, Alara, why don't we pop over to you and shake things up a bit. What have you been up to the past week? You weren't on the show last week, correct? Or the you've week been before. Busy. Yeah, you've been, it's been a while. Yeah, it's my busy time of year at work, yeah. so overtime and stuff. So I really haven't done anything with Elder Scrolls, unfortunately. <laughs> I tried to log in during the Orsinium event, but I think I only caught like one or two days of that. I fortunately had enough tickets that I was able to get my uh, uh, berries from this one, but yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've completely given up on the berries for the most part it's been it's been a struggle this past like just the summer in general like even without busy time at work i just have so many things that i'm trying to get done before the long winter hits and we have to barricade ourselves in for the winter which I, where you live it gets pretty bad winter too right alara oh yeah yeah so you're probably in the same boat where it's kind of, of a, okay all the things outside you want to do do it now because in two months i'm just going to be bunkered down so yeah, and that's why it stinks that this is the time of uh, year that work I can't really take off because exactly it's yeah. the time you want to do stuff. But see, there's a there's a flip side to that. It means that you take your vacation and go somewhere warm during the cold <laughs> months. So it kind of flips it because otherwise you're like taking the time off in the summer and then going traveling somewhere when it's actually nice where you live. So it works out. <laughs> um, okay, well let's move up to Baratron. Baratron, what have you been up to? Quite a lot. Um, UESP Guild ran veteran Hellroth Citadel on Saturday. Uh, we got a score of 80,529, which uh, we didn't do hard mode, so that's not a bad score at all, uh, especially because it was several people's first time just doing the trial at all, let alone in vet. So um, I want to thank John Law 98, our raid leader, for organising the runs every week. Uh, I got my Necromancer Healer to level 50, and now I've got the fun job of a full gear audit, because I, uh, for those of you who don't know, predominantly play healer characters. I've got a healer of every class now, and I'm sure uh, spread out among my other five characters, I've got enough of the essential healer sets to equip a new healer, but I've got to like find the spare gear and move it all onto him. And, uh, um, and I did attempt veteran Maelstrom Arena and I got to the very last boss 
the Arena 9 boss round and I had to stop because I got to the point where I was making mistakes because I was tired yeah. rather than because and I was like especially because you know I know people who have attempted veteran maelstrom arena for the first time during this event you know literally done the whole thing in a few hours and, and come out with a score in the 500,000s and I was like how <laughs> and there's me and I've been trying this over months ah, but I've had the best yes. intentions to try the maelstrom arena but it just never I, I was like I'm gonna do it this week and then I look at it, I'm like, I can play yes. Nope, it's Monday. It's time for the podcast again. Where did this week go? Well, I have this extra um, incentive at the moment because if I say my best friend in real life, I'm not, I don't mean this isn't real life, but I mean, you know, my best friend that I actually um, go out to dinner with and things like in that. In meat space. In, in the, yeah, in the walking around world, uh, he actually completed it on a pet sorcerer. And I'm trying to run it with a pet sorcerer. And I was like, I'm sure he's no better a player than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, if you can do it, I can do it. Yeah. I probably can do it, but I just need to not be exhausted. And I just need a lot of practice. And that's the problem. It's with things like the arenas and the trials, it's actually very hard to practice a particular boss that you're having trouble with. Because you have to do the whole thing up to that point. And, uh, I mean, at least with Maelstrom Arena, if you keep the quest, it does save. But, I don't so know. So you can save in the middle of Maelstrom Arena? Yes. Or the... the but then uh... then you don't get a score. You only get a score if you do the whole thing in one go. Oh, right. So that's that's what I'm saying when I say that this, this Maelstrom Arena instance has been open for months. Gotcha. Do you get yeah. the same rewards regardless? You do, okay. yes, but you don't, you don't get the score. Sure. Awesome. I think um, we've lost Alara. She did drop out. Drop off the call. So we'll hope she comes back. Um, in the oh. meantime, though, it's a good time to pop over and talk to AKB. What have you been up to the past week, AKB? I've been remodding uh, Bolivian, uh, mostly because one of the a mod that disappeared a while ago resurfaced because someone managed to convince them to re-upload it. Uh, it's it was one of my favorite mods. And it's one of the ones that got me into modding uh, elsewhere in Aquina, which is just a masterfully made mod. It's and very topical. It is actually. <laughs> uh, I'd also say I would prefer I preferred that version of Aquina than the ones the actual developers made. It's just so good. Inside ESO, do they ever actually pronounce that name? Yes. We there? Oh, lost so, paused on a so to answer your question, Lost, I pronounce it Anaquina because that's how it's been pronouncing in my head for as long as that word has been around. And they didn't pronounce it for a while, so I just got used to it. And mm -hmm. I refused to pronounce it the incorrect way they decided on like but you just pronounced it differently than the first time you pronounced it earlier. No. You were saying Anaquina, <laughs> and then you said Anaquina. I'm also losing my voice, so. <laughs> I didn't think losing your voice person. changed vowels from long <laughs> to soft. It's I fine. recommend, I recommend this Ricola stuff. 
<laughs> awesome so we should be back from all the technical difficulties apologies for that for anybody watching but i think we're good now as long as the large doesn't blue screen again uh so we'll to, yeah we'll try to make sure that works awesome I so do highly recommend uh sorry were you going to go i was forward? i was just about to call back to you to talk about what oh. you were about to say so it worked out perfect oh well uh i would highly recommend that check it out uh it is a super good time it's super buggy it's half put together but it's one of the most unique experiences for elder scrolls that i ever had so basically uh, an elder scrolls game right sorry Never not mind. really <laughs> Boom. Uh, elder scrolls one and two were basically just what was it called ultimate underworld so Oops. What do you mean? What? What are you oh, on about? I was just you're... making a joke that a half-finished game that's completely buggy. That's oh, that's I the joke. You're everyone... trying to say that it was unique, like Elder Scrolls games are. I got that the wrong way. No, I meant the the buggy thing. But I think the bugs are in some cases overstated. Sorry, continue. I was trying to be edgy, and I can't pull off <laughs> edgy. So I also like that Lost can't. I thought you were being edgy. <laughs> Oh, Lost, our most wholesome. He has friends. a lot of edges. I have a very distinct jawline. That's probably part of it. Oh. Sorry, Boo. continue, AKB. <laughs> AKB is just lost in thought AKB, now. AKB stopping. He likes That's... Anaquina, the yeah, mod go, to Oblivion. Uh, you should check it out after. So how far just... is it different? from the ESO version? Like, is the map still pretty similar? And like the, the map, of... I, the map is probably larger. Uh, the cities are, I would say they were a lot more in depth from my experiences with them. And it was overall just a really cool experience, especially cause this was like 2009 and it's just walk over the border. You're in a whole another section of the world. And, it's that was what just one of my favorite game experiences that I really wish they had done in actual like Oblivion or Skyrim or anything like that, where they just add another section of the world. You literally just walk off, uh, walk over the previous border, and you're in a new area. I really, there's nothing quite like that experience to me in an Elder Scrolls game. This harkens back to a memory from Oblivion I've shared before that when I first played it, I was told I could go anywhere. And so I saw a mountain and tried to climb it. And then I got stuck at the bottom of it. And then this last year, I pulled up Oblivion and entered God mode so I could go around and figure out what mountain it was. And it's a mountain on the way to elsewhere. Oh. So if I got that mod, I could go to that mountain finally. <laughs> All these years later when you can finally like call back to something that you did. Yep. It's like, I also remember, like, I was thinking the same thing about Morrowind, and I remember it being so much harder than when I went back in to play it. Like, I went to go to, there's a grotto that has the Dragonbone Curious, mm -hmm. and I remember it being, like, absolutely impossible to get to, and then, like, I did it again, I was like, oh, no, that was, like, 30 seconds to get there, but it felt like a year of my life when I did it the first time. I get it. Yep. Is that all you've been up to there, AKB, or is there anything else you wanted to share with us? 
No, I don't want to share anything else specifically. It's just really exciting. Yeah, maybe next time you should uh, throw it on the stream and then we can watch and see a little bit of the difference between Elsewhere ESO and Elsewhere Oblivion. I'm just there are first docs in there. Uh, they did include the other first docs, so I'll try to show what I can. Again, it only barely works. Yeah. But I'll try. It's kind well, of we... sad, though, that it's from 2009 and it only barely works. Because, you know... I, well, I was that is like 10 years ago though if you think about it yeah. like, stuff doesn't run as well on new new hardware new no, I suppose. operating systems plus it was like a very small team throwing together a game world half the size of everything else in the game in like their spare weekends it's very yeah. hard to make that a bug free experience yeah, it's just a shame that nobody went back and fixed it. Now it's not probably not going to get fixed. Yeah, those bugs uh, are probably not... People are looking at different Skyrim games, and they've probably moved on to new projects at this point. Different Skyrim games? Yeah, I consider basically half of the mods, like Skywind and... Oh, uh, I see. It's a I new Skyrim you. game. That's it's not sense. even... Yeah, Tamriel rebuilt and all that stuff. Yeah. As for myself, I've been, again, no time actually sitting at my desk. Like, I've been, as I was telling people, I think before the call, like, the only time I've actually been sitting at my computer is for the podcast for the past month or so. It's just been running around doing things. I was fixing a toilet moments before we started the podcast. I've installed a new toilet after that was started leaking. So, not a ton of time for Elder Scrolls for me. Except for Legends and Blades, really, is all I've been up to. Uh, Legends, I was almost at rank 7 before the uh, stream started, but I didn't get a chance to play one more game where I was on a streak. So hopefully after the stream ends, I'll be at rank 7 for the first time in ages. Um, and then I've been playing a little bit of Blades, popping in, just doing kind of a couple jobs daily. But as kind of Law said, there's nothing new there. It's more just seeing what's happening, so... We've got some events and things like that. We'll talk about in the news in a bit, but there hasn't been really too much. Um, oh, yeah, and what level is max level in Legends? Um, 50. It's 50? Okay, so I have 10 more. Because I thought you got a Legendary card every 10 levels. But I just hit rank 40, and I got a pack. And I was like, oh. I don't think that's the case. Maybe it's only tw twice then. Maybe it's level 20 and level 10 or something like that. Oh, you can check the, the wiki. I think we are. I know it's on the wiki. The yeah, yeah. I just thought about that before because I hit forty, <laughs> the game before we started the show, and I was like, "Oh, well, I got a pack of cards. That's not that exciting." But I, I thought it was. I thought level forty, you got a legendary card that was based on the race that you were currently playing. I think that was level twenty-four and thirty-two, but well, that's weird. Uh, it might have changed since the update. True, it's been they've changed that a few times, so. But yeah, other than that, there's has not been too much for me in far as the Elder Scrolls. I've been able to log in at least every day to ESO just using like uh, GeForce Now. But I haven't. I've just been doing that quick logging in on my tablet, getting my daily reward, logging back off again. So hopefully soon I'll be able to get more time to dig into ESO and play a little bit more and do actually the Maelstrom Arena. That's I need to do it. I need to get some weapons from there. So. But I think on that point, I think we've all covered what we've been up to. So let's move over to the news.
Okay, so we do have a decent amount of news this week. There wasn't not too much in the way of new announcements or big changes that are coming out, but there was a number of things that were going on. So AKB, do you want to discuss what the UESP news is so far? We are we have officially closed missions for our calendar. Thank you if you did submit anything for it. Uh, it is appreciated. Uh, we'll be going over them, trying to find what's best for it, and we'll hopefully you'll be able to actually see it really soon. Uh, besides that, we are now using Cloudflare for image caching. I don't know much about that because it was just mentioned offhand really recently, uh, but hopefully that will help a few things down the line with our images. And what was the other thing? There was a third thing, right? Yes. New namespaces. Oh, yeah. Arena and we, uh, modding. It's super exciting. We created namespaces for Arena and Daggerfall mods. So for anybody who doesn't know, can you explain what a namespace is in regards to a wiki? A namespace is a collection of... It's a technical breakdown of... It basically breaks something down into a specific area. It's like... Like on Wikipedia, most articles are in what's called main space. There's no specific namespace, but then you have like wikipedia colon some article and those articles are all in the wikipedia namespace so we do this uh as a technical division it makes it a bit easier for us to split things up because a lot of things share names between games it's now there were other solutions to this of created but this was like only a few years ago so this was the best solution for us for longest time. In typical places where you have wikis, where you've got the same page names, but with multiple things, you would have items, parentheses, Skyrim, and items, parentheses, Oblivion. That is a different strategy people took, yeah. And so when you look at it, we've got the same thing. It's Skyrim colon items and Oblivion colon items. The yes, upside, but... though, is that you've got really useful search functionality and a few other special technical things that namespaces provide that make that a really quick and efficient way to organize things. So that's why we've gone with that. So the new ones we added are for Arena and Daggerfall. Those already had their own namespaces but we've added mod namespaces so arena modding and daggerfall modding those sort of namespaces already existed for all of the big games since then so morrowind oblivion skyrim and eso and we use that to document the highly technical and important community mods that people have put out and what we've realized is that the original, or yeah, the classic games have got that kind of thing too. Daggerfall Unity is really big right now. It's gotten several news articles posted in gaming magazines. And so it'd be good to have some of that stuff documented so people can easily find it when they go to the source of all things Elder Scrolls. And Arena's got some similar things. A few technical mods that have been put out. And there is an Arena project to make Arena open source and running on newer specs. And that'll also be able to be documented there. Basically, that's how it's going to work. Yeah, uh, 
Of course, it's all driven by people's actual interest in doing so. So that sounds like something you care about. Definitely come over and help us out with this. Awesome. Well, thanks for that update there. And then I think I'm going to pop over to Baratron here to kind of discuss some of the ESO news as our ESO uh, reporter here. So uh, there was some quite serious trouble yesterday on the PCEU server. Um, now, the PCEU server has particular issues which aren't seen on any of the other five mega servers. And the reason for this is because uh, within the you know, European players tend to play on uh, PC and all, almost everybody who plays on those servers is in, are in two time zones. And what this means is that there's there's what they call peak the highest peak concurrency. So in, in other words, the largest number of players connected at the same time. And what happened yesterday was uh, reports of crashes, disappearing chat, uh, disappearing guild history, infinite loading screens, you know, twenty minute loading screens, and uh, issues with guild traders. Now, yesterday was the first real world test for the multi-bidding which has been added to guild trader interface it is now possible for a guild to bid on up to 10 traders per week however due to the lag on the european pc server the calculations for multi-bidding appear to have taken longer than the five minute window what happens is at uh, 8.55 p.m., the, it's no longer possible to place a bid. And at 9 p.m., you're told if you've won a guild trader or not. And at 9.05 p.m., it's possible to hire a guild trader that is unoccupied. Uh, because these calculations appear to have taken longer, there are guild masters who have system mails to state that they've won a trader and the trader appears on their guild home screen, but when they go to the trader, some other, often small guild with little merchandise is holding that trader. And obviously a lot of people are very unhappy about this. <laughs> yeah. Now, Zoss, uh, you know, did respond. Obviously it was a Sunday afternoon in the US for them. They did respond. Uh, they tried they, a few things. They temporarily disabled guild history read requests uh in the hope of of speeding up the servers but this didn't help at all in the meantime uh users reported that uh because obviously you can place multiple uh guild trade bits you uh you get back the money for the bids that because you, you can only have one guild trader so let's say you place five bids you win one you get the other four money back well the money was coming back because of the server lag issues multiples of the money were coming back oh. uh, and there there is one particular guild that now has 1.3 billion not million billion more gold than they had before this uh and obviously you know lots of people are very unhappy because because this is going to wreck the economy um supposedly the price of the gold tempers which is normally around five to eight thousand depending on which pacific temper Plus even apparently just like, it's got up to 
plus even just like gameplay specific like lag problems and stuff like that like even when yeah. you just like get rid of the economy issues and the guild trader issues because that's still probably a minority of players that are being affected by that other than the economy beginning thrown off like 20 minute wait times is awful like for a load screen like that's I if would I not had, play a game with that long. No, I, could, I, yeah. I literally couldn't. Like, I would get in there. I'd be like, oh, cool. I logged into the game, and now I have to log out again. I mean, that's what I'm doing anyways. And but then I couldn't even play if I had time. It is absolutely the peak concurrency because I was yeah. on. I have been on the PCEU server a few times this week at about four in the morning because I, as you can tell from the fact I'm on a podcast at 2.30 in my morning, <laughs> I, I keep slightly strange hours. And... I was having instantaneous load screens. Yeah. You know, like it was way back at the beginning, five, five and a bit years ago when we didn't have add-ons, the game was a lot smaller and you would just go to a zone and you would get there. And that's what it's like at four in the morning. So it really is something to do with the number of players and they need to increase the infrastructure. It is interesting now, that um, Matt uh, Fires uh, stated that actually like the PCEU is the largest mega server. Like it's, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's the first time we've actually had that confirmed that that's yeah. the biggest mega server that we have across the six other ones. So that's Xbox, NA, Xbox, uh, EU, PC, NA, PC, EU, and PS4, NA, and PS4, EU that we know that the PC, EU is the biggest of all of them by, biggest, by a yeah. long shot too, it seems. So... And the, the time uh, really doesn't help because the PCNA server, if you look at the players, you have, obviously you have people from North and South America. You also have most Oceanic players choose to play there. Uh, Asian players choose to play there. And in fact, the Japanese client is localized on the NA server. And then you get weirdos like me who are from Europe but just play there for, for legacy <laughs> reasons or friendship reasons. So the PCNA server is it's 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 occupied all, all of the time um yeah. you know even if you're on there way outside of peak you can probably find a group whereas eu is pretty much dead um for for some hours of the day and that is another issue as well yeah and it does hammering it 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 does make make the situation slightly hard for 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 Zos to have to deal with that they've got this one mega server that has not only are there some sort of infrastructure, um, physical, technical issues there? But you've also got the way that it's used is different from the way that some of the others used. Anyway, when, so... Um, when you were describing that issue last night I w- and how the calculations took too long. At first, I thought, yeah, that is sort of a hard puzzle to figure out how you would calculate when there's 10 different bids spread everywhere, who wins. But then right now, I figured out how you would do it and I don't understand how the calculations can take that long. Select the biggest bid, give that guild that guild trader, delete every bid that goes to that same guild trader, repeat. I'm guessing only... the problem isn't specifically with that calculation. It's that they're having so many other issues on the servers that were also supposed to be doing that calculation that there was causing um, yeah. right. latency. Because Which, there was no problem with the the guild trader flip on on NA, we were all concerned. Yeah. But it went it went ahead um, rapidly, and people did know at nine o'clock whether they had a trader or whether they needed to run around trying to find one. It's really mm. interesting so, that their like first triage is always like 
get rid of the guild history. Like mm. it's it's yeah, very it's... interesting that that's always the first thing, and that often solves things. It's I'm I'm very excited for them to go through their performance enhancement uh, changes over the next <laughs> year or so that they kind of talked about. Because I was like, that's you guys remember recently when you might remember where you would have a lag and a way to fix it was to open up your guild tab, yeah. type in a search result so that only mm-hmm. one result was found, and then everything would load faster. Yep. That makes, I mean, it makes sense, but it shouldn't make sense. That's bad. I know. That's that's some just that's like, real bad. That's yeah. That's some uh, popsicle sticks and uh, chewing gum fixes right there. Which which all code is. I realize. Yeah. Oh, totally. But, but it's just yeah. That's one of those things that it'll be nice to see them kind of go through and refactor that. Mm-hmm. Um, in other less um, exciting ESO news, but maybe exciting for some. Uh, the Sacy motif will be returning to the Crown Store. So I know a lot of people really like that motif. It's a cool-looking one, and everybody loves talking about it because it's lore-friendly and all those fun things. Um, there's another week that you can do the Runes of Mazatun um, to get the Mighty Chudan. Chudan. We, did we decide on what it was last Mighty week? Mighty Chudan. Chudan. Yes. Chudan. That's what it was. Chudan. Um, Dude, that's a mask. Godzilla name there. That's good. It is, and he looks kind of like a Godzilla monster so it's perfect cool uh the mighty chudan's mask style page so there's one more week left for that it's and then next month we get uh Velidrith, so cradle of shadows uh from august 28th to september 25th and then next the week coming up on the weekend there is the tavern event at gamescon in cologne germany so if you this are coming remember, saturday right this coming saturday the 24th okay. of august um, so if you're one of our German viewers or listeners, or you are near there, I suggest checking that out. It sounds like it'll be an awesome time. It's been very cool before too. So a lot of people have been doing that. And you'll be able to meet Enodoc and Cry Havoc. Yes. From the Both of which you may know from the intro video. One of which you, who you see, the other who created it. So very exciting stuff there. Awesome. And normally I would go to Alara for Legends updates, but I'm not sure if she's had a chance to look over what some of them are. So if, if you haven't really. had a chance yet, I will throw it over to Lost. So the, I don't think there's any changes. It's, it's but not they, an update. It's, it's not um, an update. It's an explanation. It's a de- Okay. They released a dev diary. Uh, they did that. We talked about one last time where they talked about developing the consume mechanic in the newest expansion. And this time they talked about wax and wane. And I just shared a link in chat pointed to that dev diary. I think you should check it out if legends interests you. But they talked about from the beginning, they knew they wanted something to do with the moons to go with the Khajiit. And they tried out a lot of different things, like having moons visible on the board, having each lane be a moon, having a lane become the surface of the moon. Like they experimented with a whole lot of stuff. And they talked about some really cool mechanics that they tweaked and worked with before getting down to Wax and Wane. Um, One was called Lunar, that when you summoned a creature, it would create a moon and it would advance through four different phases. And if it was the right phase, then your card got a benefit. But then they said it was really fickle. You didn't really have a lot of interactivity. You just had to get cards on the right moon. It was hard to do. They sort of experimented from there on one called Moon Call, 
that when you summon something, it made a moon that would appear and start ticking down. And while the moon was active, it got a special effect. But then you could summon another moon call creature and it would extend the effect. But they said that led to like sort of snowball-y mechanics where if a lane had moon call things in it, you just wouldn't contest it because they might be able to keep the moon up and keep being really powerful. And there's another one they talked about called Moon Phase, but they said Wax and Wayne really helped nail it down. The fact that there's just two, like every other turn, you get a special effect and it keeps switching back and forth between the two, encapsulate it perfectly. And they said that for gameplay reasons, they tried to make those two feel distinct from one another. Mm -hmm. And a thing I hadn't noticed, but it's how they designed it, that typically Wayne turns are the ones where the effects affect your opponent. And therefore, wax turns are less likely to have that. They more are likely to have buffs or things for your own side. So it sort of alternates between offensive and defensive turns, which is cool. And I hadn't noticed. I hadn't noticed that either. So that's it's very interesting. Now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh yeah, that does that does kind of make some of them like are beneficial buffs, but they could also be like it's a. I think it's a pretty mm -hmm. loose rule that they made. But it, when you look at it overall, I was like, oh yeah, this is that's really interesting the way they did that. Their dev diaries have just, they're really short and sweet, but they've always been cool little glimpses, and I recommend them highly. Awesome. Yeah, so other than that, there wasn't really too much new in Legends other than I've been playing it a lot, so that's that's pretty newsworthy, but other than that. <laughs> um, Blades, we had a building bonus event over the weekend, so it was extra building materials in Elder and Legendary chests if you bought them or were lucky enough to get one of them from your jobs. Um, double lumber and limestone drops and decreased building timers, which I took advantage of too. I think I only have one plot of unbuilt land in my Blades uh, town now. Whoa. Um, I know, I'm in slow. I haven't needed to. This is the thing. is I've been like, have very little interest in completing all of it when I'm like, there's no benefit for me. But um, So there was that little event, which was kind of cool. Um, I, there's kind of a, they're, they're right around the right, I guess, balance with the events where I don't feel bad if I miss them, but they're kind of cool if I happen to be playing, which is kind of a good thing for me. I'm, I'm happy that they're doing that where it's not like, uh, they let me know that there was an event today and I'm like, if I had waited to not build that house, it would have done like this quite better things like just by reducing timers i think i'm pretty happy with the way that they're running those yeah um i think as of it's like just before the stream started we got a new drop that when you log into blades if between now and the 25th you mm -hmm. get 250 free gems a markarth banner and a golden chest that's mm -hmm. uh for gamescom so i'm gonna log into blades right now and see if we see that, because I haven't claimed it yet. So, I don't know if Pylon's going to have to know this, but earlier, it's been out for a few hours, and when people were logging in, there was a connectivity thing where yeah. it would start your game from scratch like you didn't have a character. And logging or great. turning the app off and turning it back on wouldn't fix it necessarily, but after a few tries, some people got in, some people didn't. Uh they don't exactly know what happened, but they're we're resolving it. If for some reason you cannot get your character back, um, Gremlin with a Gremlin with a top hat says it's fixed now. 
if for some reason it isn't fixed for you, they reached out and said contact them on via support and they'll make sure they get it resolved. Your character is not fully gone. At least it's extremely unlikely. Interesting. I don't think anybody permanently lost their characters. I do not have anything currently that I can pick up from Gamescom. Not sure why. You just walk around your town a little bit. It'll just appear as a banner, oh, like a, an announcement message. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I'll do that later then. Yep. Um, but yeah, so other than that, there's not too much new in Blades. Um, I'm wondering, do we? is there any known uh, Elder Scrolls announcements at Gamescom? Like, is there a panel or anything? I don't think there is. I so don't I'm remember not, there being I'm not expecting I don't think that... they're going to. I don't think we're expecting anything. Yeah, so I, I'm not expecting that we'll get any updates on when new versions of things are coming. So, so probably not. I'm only much. aware of the tavern. Yeah, the tavern, but I don't think there's That's any events that they're planning on or any news that they'll be releasing during the tavern. Like we're not expecting any updates for ESO. So probably just lots it's of usually things, a social event. Um, yeah, mostly for the for the fans to meet the devs who are able to come over and to pick up. Uh, Things like like codes, phantom yeah. bar codes, and so on. So we just have one final little piece of news that we can discuss, and I'm not sure who would be the one that would ha- knows the most about. Two. This. There are two things. Two things. There's one very important thing, and okay. one very very important thing. <laughs> so we'll talk about a little bit about uh, Matt Grandstaff, the director of community for Bethesda Softworks, announced that he's stepping down after 12 years with the company. So that's a pretty big, big drop for uh, news for someone departing Bethesda. So does anybody here want to speak to that? He was a, I read his stuff for years. He was a very, very solid rock for the community. He went out of his way, like, even back in, like, 2009, he was going, like, oh, yeah, check out uh, these fan projects, like the Imperial Library, the UESB. He really did reach out to people from the word go from his time with Bethesda, and it's just sad seeing him go. I, I, We don't know why he, he chose to left, but I hope he's going on to Bear Pastures. He did give us um, a great deal of assistance. Among other things, he was personally responsible for organising our UESP interview with Todd Howard. He did speak to, um, you know, he, he it took several months to get that organised, but he really came through for us. Yeah. Uh, he gave Given us the day of. <laughs> yeah, he gave us a lot of assistance at the uh, gameplay days when we had some of our staff members who were supposed to be on the VIP list and weren't. He sorted that out and got us all in on the VIP passes. And yeah, really, really decent person. So I hope that he's going on to a nice job somewhere else. And I hope that whoever replaces him will be well, at least half as good. Yeah, so I think on behalf of everybody, want to thank him for the amount of work that he's put into it and how good he has been for the community and we've been grateful for it. And hopefully, yeah, as you said, he's going on to something that's even better than what he was doing before and that he's going to enjoy it and all the best. Mm-hmm. And then Alara, have you had a chance to read the other piece of news? Yes, I have. <laughs> so let's, let's let Alara talk to this one because it's, it's right <laughs> up her, her alley. 
Yeah, so they revealed some very interesting merchandise this week. <laughs> There's going to be a, a Skyrim-themed uh, rubber bath box. <laughs> They're making a, a Dragonborn, Jarl Balgroth, Ulfric, and Alduin duck. They look so, so good. They're yeah, so they're, funny. I, someone I, else could blink her. <laughs> who I thought of this? Shared the link. Like it's, it's so. Funny. I, I looked at the company and they have like all kinds of different, uh, different games and stuff. Like there's a Spyro themed duck and stuff. Yeah, it's just like Spyro one is great. I'm just I just sing it now. They have so many rubber duckies. I was like going through it and I'm like, who thinks of these things? Like it's so <laughs> funny. Like I remember when Funkos first kind of like showed up on the screen or on the scene and everyone's just like, oh, this is cool. And now there's like duck versions of all of your favorite video game characters. <laughs> It's so funny. Whoever the designer of this must just have an absolute blast. <laughs> Thank you, AKB. That's perfect. I love it. Yeah. Let's just leave I'll, that I'll, as our screen. I'll duck win. Yeah. I like... So Alduin in, is probably my favorite of all of those. I like right. the Dragonborn duck. I the, think Dragonborn's, the Dragonborn's good because you can instantly tell what it is, though. I yeah. don't know. I can instantly tell Ulfric Stormcloak and Yarl Bulgroth. Yeah, I, I wish I could get them all, but they're like 13, 14 bucks a piece or something like that, so I'll probably only get one of them. But, I'm just yeah, looking we'll to their website, and they have so many different like right? versions of these. Like The number of games they have covered. Yeah, I think I like the Dragonborn one best. It's iconic. Yes, it is. It is iconic, yeah. Yeah, Bulgroth so is really cool, too, and Ulfric. How how much is a dragonborn duck? Let's see. Like I said, something like thirty bucks. Well, not look Canadian, but it would be Canadian. So, twelve ninety nine US. If you would like to buy the Skyrim Dovican Tubs, that's the name of it. The Tubs collectible duck. So, I don't know what the average cost for a rubber duck is, but that doesn't seem outrageous. (laughs) So. Man, I've got to Google normal rubber ducks now. <laughs> you can buy like, like a thousand rubber ducks for like a hundred bucks. Good how big? Cool. I like how there's just so much detail, like even on the armor and stuff. You look at the pictures. Awesome. Like all the little swirls on the battle pads and his armor and stuff. They are really great. Sorry, I just sneezed there. This might be one of the stupider things they've come out with, but (laughs) they did it so passionately. It's they're (laughs) so well done. Yeah, like I would, I'd go like, well, this is stupid if it wasn't well made. Yeah, like I think probably the stupidest one in my opinion is the Skyrim (laughs) VR 4D candle. It's a pine scented candle that's like twenty bucks if it's tiny. Skyrim. So you can play Skyrim VR while smelling like you're in a pine forest. <laughs> yeah. Skyrim VR 4D it candle. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. I think that's brilliant. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. Wait for Skyrim AR to release in a little bit after <laughs> the USA acquires Greenland and turns into Skyrim in real life. Oh. I'd no. go. That'd be worth it. If Actually, yeah. Okay, now oh I'm... man, you just made me think about Elder Scrolls Go. I don't think we ever <laughs> talked about that, but 
I think that could be an amazing game. We did talk about what we would like to see in there. Like dungeon (laughs) delving and things like that. Okay. But thinking speaking of things that we haven't seen before, I think it's our own time to move (laughs) over to the topic. Well, he was the man, the organization. So I wasn't just, like a friend of his. We just <laughs> Sorry, learned that Lost in Hyrule knew the creator of Segways. And speaking yeah, of Segways. He must hate his life. <laughs> Dean came in as perfectly happy with his life. Yeah, I can imagine it'd be fine. So we wanted to kind of have a little bit of a dive into some of the things that we have never seen before in Elder Scrolls games, but are often talked about that we would know about, but that are have been shown in Elder Scrolls Online or in Legends, or Mm -hmm. deliberately not shown, which is actually kind of probably the more interesting thing. Um, So AKB, this was, I think this was kind of your idea to begin with. So do you want to kind of talk a little bit about what your thoughts were on these topics? Well, it's, one, I feel like this is one of the better ways to kind of look at what they might be thinking about for next games. Because if something they go, like, if something that seems like it would have been easy to do isn't there, it kind of makes you go, like, well, were they told not to do it because they wanted to save it? Yeah. You know? Uh, for the or other was side it just that, too technically challenging? <laughs> some, of, some of them were are definitely just... Yeah, they were technically challenging, and they probably said this wasn't worth the effort. Uh, That's probably what happened to the Inga, for example. So speaking of which, let's explain what the Inga are. The Inga are these neat, ape-like beast folk that we've heard about in a lot of the games uh, and background lore. They're... were also, they were mostly associated with the Onmeri Dominion, but they were also uh, their most famous member of the race, Mark the Seer, was responsible for the Elysian Order and all the craziness that was involved with that. They also primarily lived in Bellinwood, so ESO should have logically had them, and they're just not there at all. Do you think? This would be kind of a crazy thing that Elder Scrolls Online would ever add Imga as playable race. I don't think they are allowed to add playable races. I was curious about, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I'm like, I wonder if they would allow any new races because that's kind of the, the they core have the that have been through all of the games. Like you've had the same ones over and over and over again. So it'd be interesting if they actually let them add a I, new one to Elder Scrolls Online. And I do have I think... thoughts about that and. The Myanmar are on the same list, and I imagine it would have taken, like, five lines of code to make them a playable race. Yeah. Yeah, I think out of all the races, they're probably the most likely that, to ever become one. But if will they? Who knows? So, nerd point of order, Maruk <laughs> is never officially confirmed to be an Imga, though in a few sources in ESO, they do call him, like, Ape Man or something. So he's not ever officially confirmed... Uh, in the actual lore, Michael Kirkbride has gone on record saying he's an Imga, though. Well, that's fine. Michael Kirkbride can believe that. 
<laughs> we're not getting into that debate. Um, okay, so instead of, like, there's so many of these. Why don't we kind of just go around the horn and kind of talk, talk about, about the ones we like the most? The ones that are our favorites, yeah. So Sorry, when you were talking about Imga, did you mention, besides the fact that they're ape people of Allenwood, like, some of the stuff about them? No, we did not. Like, well, one of the things that they're described as is always wearing capes and yes. that they love the Altmer the most. Like, they want to be high and mighty and they all they adopt their really... Skin, they shave their bodies. It's they very weird. They adopt really fancy titles, even though they just live in the woods. They refer to each other as lords and dukes and counts and stuff. And then they're always stealing stuff back and forth with the Bosmer. They don't love each other very much. No one loves the Bosmer. <laughs> Very interesting. And then they're just kind of absent from ESO. Same with the um, the Felinesti? Felinesti. Felinesti? Felinesti. Felinesti, the <laughs> capital of the Bosmer. Yeah, uh, it's just missing. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's four seasonal sites are there. So the the winter site, the spring site, the summer site. They the didn't explain site. it. Yeah. So but it's the not thing, just any of them. The thing is that <laughs> it's a gigantic walking tree. That yeah. the entire city is in the boughs of this great, I think it's a grot oak, but it's a tree that can walk around Valenwood, and it just constantly migrates to these different sites, as Baratron mentioned. And it's not at any of them. On the one hand, having a walking city would probably be tricky. Yeah. I can see how ESO <laughs> technically would, would struggle with that. Here's my literal, like, three-second thought about that. Valenesti knows it's dangerous to be walking around right now. It's rooted itself. They could have done that, yes. So, I kind of yeah. uh, wonder if they'll ever make a DLC of it. I really think if Valenesti's not a DLC... What was that, Baratron? I just said the stream is, is not working for me right now. I think that's just you. Gonna, it looks fine on my end. Is so. it just me? Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, it, like... A lot of people honestly think Valenwood is going to be Elder Scrolls Six, and the absence of Valenesti kind of makes me kind of agree with them, because because of that's... all those stark desert landscapes in Valenwood. Mm. Well, maybe <laughs> there's something drastic happened. Maybe it walked like, well, really they far. They destroyed the forest. <laughs> maybe it walked all the way over to Hammerfall. Dude, okay. Mm -hmm. A game about riding on Falinesti to every province. That could that be would something. Be awesome. That would be awesome. I'm so in for that game. It's basically a cruise ship that just steps on everything and has sap. So Severnet sure in the chat is saying... Steps on things. Severnet in chat says that there's lore books saying they have gone to a demiplane? I haven't seen those. So I don't remember what the actual wording is in any of those cases, but I do think it's not that they just forgot Falinesti. They imply something. No, I know there's mentioning of them, but they just say like, where are they? I didn't know if they, they mentioned multiple things. Like they go out of their way to basically say, it's not here. Here's multiple theories. Uh, they go, it got abducted by the Daedra. They go, it's invisible somehow. Stuff like that. Stealth mode. So the point is that it's not just hey, somewhere and how we hard haven't is it seen to find it, a specific tree but it's forest. normally walking around Valenwood. Something yeah. special has happened, regardless there, of what it is. Are there any un or un 
discovered, and it's not the right word for it, uh, Valenwood zones in ESO right now? Unrevealed. I think all of of it's been covered now, yeah. But of course, you can still go with the fact that Valenwood's actually this very difficult to traverse jungle, so... Even though we can somewhere. walk everywhere, we can't actually walk everywhere. Yeah. You've got to make accommodations for lore size versus game size. So eh. they can they can fudge it. Yeah. Yep. I think that's why I'm expecting the Final Fantasy work good as a uh, zone because, like, for a DLC because it would be they a put it, zone basically. Yeah, they could put it anywhere. Kind of like the Clockwork City. And you could make the city. Again, cities don't have to scale one-to-one with each other. If the zone was just the bows of Falinesti, wherever it was, you could make that a full-sized city instead of a you know a 10-house city. It's like a 100-house yeah, right. city. Something like that. That could be really cool. Okay. Hopefully they're listening so that they can <laughs> accept that there is some content we've just created for them. Awesome. Uh. Uh, Alara just mentioned Clockwork City, I think, which was another one of the big ones, because that's where we actually got to have conversations with Sothasil, which I remember, I personally remember when we got access to Tribunal, the Morrowind DLC, or expansion pack, I think it was expansion packs at that time, it wasn't DLCs, um, the idea that you got to go talk to Sothasil, who I always thought was the coolest of the, as a kid growing up i thought he was the coolest kind of like the engineer and then you get there and he's dead (laughs) spoilers if you haven't played morrowind but you've had time we're not gonna you you could have done it by now um but yeah so then you finally get a chance to talk to him and i think that was one of like the kind of collective favorite scene favorite moments from eso for a lot of people do you guys have any thoughts on the sothasil reveal they did it so well in my opinion, it's honestly hard to say, like, if I wanted to nitpick, like, why did it, like, his skin change color? It, that was weird. But beyond that, it's, it was one of the best handled things they ever did. And it made me go, like, oh, like, I was on the fence about uh, ESO for a while. And when I saw what they did with Soul Still, I'm like, yeah, they finally grew into their own. Like, Sotha Sil for me was the point where ESO officially went from, like, it was an okay game. Like, it started out as pretty rough for me. It came okay when they started doing one Tamriel and all that. Like, Sotha Sil's the point where ESO's a good game. He's super interesting. He. The whole Clockwork City, like, DLC it, was phenomenal. It was just so well done. He has a very interesting perspective on the whole Elder Scrolls universe. And I'm super upset that he didn't get his own game now, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Baratron, what's one of your favorite of the, these kind of, the unsolved mysteries of TES? Uh, Well, there's the two races that there's one race that is uh, not included and the other race that's only barely included and they're they sort of linked together which is the Lil Moffat and the Cothringi. Now the Lil Moffat uh, 
are mentioned briefly in the Pocket Guide to the Empire 3rd Edition, which was included in the Collector's Edition of Oblivion. It was like a, an actual printed book. And they, they were just sort of mentioned as a vulpine race. And some uh, fans who are you know, particularly into the beast races was hoping they would be included in ESO, especially when they heard that in Merkmire we were going to go to Lilmoth. You know, obviously the Lilmoth it yeah. came from Lilmoth. Um, but they're believed extinct due to the, oh, I don't never know how you say this, Kanatan flu. No, um, Kanatan. I thought it was how Martin. say it? Nahatan. 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 It starts with a K for no reason. Right. Nahatan. Anyway. Like like night. Like night. Knight. Or yes. I don't like how that word's spelled either. <laughs> I okay, here's the other thing, just sorry for this tangent on a little bit, but these are made up words. Why do we have to add in <laughs> terrible practices of like silent letters and things like that? Somebody made to this make, up and was like, I'm going to make this difficult for somebody. It's I'm going to add a silent more, K in there and no one's going to be able to do anything about it. You know, you know, like um, when you're writing a fantasy universe, it's like when they put in random apostrophes and things like yeah. that. And, like, and, I better throw consonants and apostrophes at it till yeah. someone yeah. cries. Yeah. Then, it, then it'll seem you, know, you can't have people called John and Susan if it's a fantasy universe. They have to be called things like Gina and Razendar. Anyway. So we don't meet any Lil Moffat because they are all died off. Um, we do see some of their previous settlements. We see Lil Moth and Black Rose. Um, and then the Kothringi. Uh, we meet in Stillrise Village for... I, I don't want to give spoilers for a, for a five-year-old game, but the, the reasons are why they're only in Stillrise are explained by the, the quest there. Um, you do meet Zook, or Zook, I don't I Again, did not I know that. How you say that? Yeah, um, and he's from uh, twenty nine twenty, the last year of the first era, which was first introduced in Morrowind. You meet him in Shadowfen, and he Wait. does play a moderate role in the. There's a village called Zook. You sure you meet him? Yeah, you do. You meet you meet the actual person. Mm, okay. Yeah, you do. You do. I assure you, you do. I'm searching it. I just get the village. No, no, no. He's in there. Why do you want to get the village? Is the village named after him? And founded the settlement of Zook in Shadowfen. I don't know. He's definitely there. I mean, you meet other Cuthringi there. The Cuthringi were, for me, super surprising because they're in such a limited area. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're right. You're right, actually. Yeah. It is. It's Drilk. Drilk is the guy. Anyway, so uh, yeah, you meet this guy called Drilk who is in Zook. That's right. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. We got to get it right, haven't we? Um, and he is strangely immune to the Kanatan flu, and he does play a, a moderate, not not a massive role, but a moderate role in the. That um, section was cool. Last line. Yeah. I really like the Shadowfin as well. It's. Again, it's one of those things that make me question, like, what were they told they couldn't and could and couldn't do that they were like, oh, no, we don't mind having an entire un- never-before-seen race for basically two quests. But, like, Imga, they gotta go. We can't show them. They didn't have any stories they wanted to tell with well, Imga. 
to be fair, Imga would need an entire new uh, 3D mesh, wouldn't they? Because they're ape-type people, whereas Kofringi are just humans with silver skin. So yeah. you just it, you just use a, a regular human part mesh. of it. But I wonder how much of a part of it, like, because it does seem likely that they were told you can't do this, this, and this. No, <laughs> we weren't there. We weren't there. Unfortunately, Alara seems to have dropped again. And but well, she got her notes in, so we can talk for her. <laughs> there I was just thinking that she was being elegant and sitting there in a refined manner, smiling, and then I realised she's not moving at all. She's hiding completely. <laughs> Here we go. Because I was, think, I was look at Alara and think, you know, she she does the feminine. Alara, Alara, you have amazing poise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, is there any other ones that anybody wants to bring up before we bring the show to a close again? Yeah. So, I haven't actually seen them but I'm really excited to the Naga. So those were mentioned first. And I think only in a book that one of my favorite books called the Argonian account. They're these extremely tall, very violent bandits that attack uh, Decumus Scotty in the caravan he's with. And they're scary. They're said to have very bad attitudes and they're like seven foot tall puff adders, I think is the way they describe them. And then in ESO, when you go to Merkmire, you actually get to meet them. And all in all, they tend to be very aggressive, nasty-looking Argonians. They're not always seven feet tall, but they're still very violent, very territorial. Which was Long and Darth had to exaggerate to sell books. Uh, probably. <laughs> I always or that's... Well, maybe they maybe they just seem seven foot tall because you know if you're if you're really scared about about being attacked by highwaymen. Um... I mean, he only Decimus Scotty only observed them looking through like a slat in a wagon in the middle of the night as they were kidnapping and killing people. So, I mean, his account was probably a little bit off. I get it. Fear does that. I got so, super confused with Naga, be, or Naga, because in Warcraft they're like snake people, yeah. and I thought the Lamia were Naga in yeah. Elder Scrolls, and then they weren't, and then I got confused. That took me the longest time to get the two different races that are very different from each other, like, separated in my brain. Yep. And then they're, uh, what are they in D&D? Because &D? Naga are something completely different, yeah. and then you've got the something with a Y in it. I can't, completely lost it. It's not important. Another <laughs> thing from the Argonian account, which we did not see, I don't believe... And I'm sad because it's one of my favorite pieces of Elder Scrolls lore is rootworms. They are these basically amoebas, just really big ball sacks of juice. Yeah, yawn tea. Thank you, Severed Ned. Yawn tea or the D&D &D thing. Rootworms are just these big bulbs of big bags of juice, basically. They absorb things and eat them. But they eat very, very slowly. And Argonians use them as transportation because they just go gliding along the root systems of trees just all across Black Marsh. And you can hop inside one. It'll start eating you, but it would take months for you to get eaten. And then you just poke back out of its skin once you see an exit point and you've traveled miles and miles and miles underwater. <laughs> and that would be the best fast travel system. And rootworms are just the coolest. Oh. 
surprise people having this as part of the game. They can see like I mean, sucked probably. into this crazy amoeba. And it's just so I mean, ev- the, everyone the scene is, is so good. So Decimus Scotty is just this very cosmopolitan imperial, and he's being sent into the midst of Black Marsh. This is not his environment. This Argonian says, oh, the best way for you to get where you need to is ride the roots. That's so he just sticks him in the mud and he starts sinking. And he's saying, okay, don't worry. You'll technically be eaten, but it would take months for you to be digested. Wait until you see red clay. Then the next time you see bubbles, just push up. And then he's being swallowed by mud as this is happening, barely comprehending it. And then he's just sliding along. He says that he looks over and he sees this other rootworm. And there's an Argonian in it, and they sort of slide up and get near each other, and the Argonian waves at him, and then that <laughs> worm goes a different direction, and he's on his own again. But those books are fantastic. I highly it's recommend so them. You, if I you want had that, that to be in the, the game, game, people would have nightmares and panic attacks. I mean, we all know people who, who get to certain points of the game, and then they have to get somebody else to play because there's giant spiders on the screen. Can you imagine I, everybody with claustrophobia? Petty? I don't think they're ever gonna make a Black Marsh game. I I need rootworms in something. I just <laughs> they are my they are my favorite small and consequential detail about Elder Scrolls. I love them. That's so funny. Okay, moving moving rapidly on. Um, Artaeum. Artaeum was, was a big one when they finally revealed yeah. that one. Because, uh, you know, that was described in the law book Fragment on Arteum, which was available from Daggerfall onwards. But the first time we saw it was the SO. And the uh, the law book discusses the island's disappearance and then reappearance and how it seems to... You can't actually put it on a map because it seems to move around. Uh, and yeah, so, so I had all these expectations for Arteum. And it was a little bit disappointing because... It's just a slightly pretty island. It didn't seem... I actually feel like the arcane university in Oblivion was more mystical. Because uh, most of what's going on in Arteum is farming. Because because obviously being removed from uh, the world, the, the Sijic monks have to provide their own food. So there's you know, fields of corn and wheat and pigs and chickens and things like that and so, um i mean i'm sure they're doing mystical monk things but most of what you see mystical is chickens yeah the sigic pigs and it was kind of nice because you know you meet the sigic monks during the major skills quest line with skyrim and there's that guy quarineer who uh is the one who does most of the explanation we are the sigic monks this is what we're doing and he can freeze time to talk to you and then when they introduced the Sigic Order into ESO, uh, two of the abilities are Time Stop and Undo, which you know, is quite nice. It keeps with the, with the yeah. theme. Um, but Arteum actually is, is in, in a lot of ways, it's closer to the uh, Clockwork City. In terms of, you know, you look up and you see the, uh, the, the strange sky to show that it's been removed. And uh, in terms of the connection between Arteum and Sothisil. And there were a lot of these sort of clockworky type items around. And Sothisil has his own study there and things like that. Um, yeah, I really liked I, I liked when, what we saw of Arteum. It was one of those ones where it felt real, which I, I, I see was kind of like a point of where you didn't you wanted it to be very, very high fantasy and very like yeah. surreal. But I kind of like it when they 
they do the opposite and they're like, this is actually like a believable island. Like they had farms. They have like the like infrastructure needed for things and it didn't seem like this like impossible city thing. Kind of like that. So I kind of like when they do that in the games. Uh, all of Somerset was like that for me too, where I've, I felt happy with the way that they portrayed it all. It was beautiful and still very regal, but it wasn't, what was it, insect wings and poetry, poetry shaping buildings. The Is everything in the pocket guides just like lies? The poetry I've, thing isn't in the pocket guides. Isn't that, a, I thought that was one of the, the pocket guides. The poetry thing came from, I think, an ESO era source, them saying, but you obviously can't make buildings out of poetry. There was something before that. that there was something before really that. said, like, they had buildings made out of insect wings and poetry. Nope, not the poetry part. The insect wings, yes. The poetry part was purely someone calling, like, the pocket guide descriptions poetry and saying, you can't make buildings out of poetry. And then the entire fan base started saying, I want my buildings made out of poetry. But that was never a thing. Uh, Yeah, it's here, actually. Um, It's in uh, the You Can't Make Buildings uh, Poetry. It was from a 2015 uh, marketing copy. Yeah, from the Ask Us Anything. Which, uh, what was his name? Lawrence Schick specifically asked us to ignore existed to ask us anything ignore that yeah. it existed he basically said this is all not canon oh really <laughs> yes yeah he, uh, he said that if it's not given it from an in-universe perspective ignore it okay well then there's even less basis for that poetry comment <laughs> The insect wings and rainbows draping everything, that is from the first pocket guide, and it describes it as a fanciful description. But sort of what you said, Pylon, of a more mundane, realistic look based on lore book takes, I think that makes sense, that you've got tall, impressive architecture and a moderate amount of very pretty stained glass, and someone who's being poetic and going over the top is going to describe that as you know, rainbows draped on everything with insect wings composing the buildings. Those or make just, sense to me. Or just an overwhelmed tourist. Yeah, an overwhelmed tourist, exactly. I mean, I, I, I got to say, I still get lost in the city of Eleanor because there's there's places where, you know, there's just the bridges and the stairs and then the other bridges and then the, the multiple levels looking down, you know, like, I don't I want to just jump because that doesn't look like, like a safe way to go. Yeah. Would you call it a hypnotic swirl? Possibly. I mean, there yeah, possibly. It <laughs> certainly has. It certainly has the ramparts and the impossibly high towers. I would agree with that. Awesome. See, yeah. we resolved all the problems. Everyone cannot complain about Somerset anymore. Hooray! We fixed <laughs> it. Good job, team. I am surprised so many people complain about Somerset. It's so good looking. Yeah. Some people really hate Gothic architecture. give me a bit of a headache and i don't know why there's something slightly surreal about the cut co- the colors in somerset and i can't I can't spend too long in the zone interesting it's any one time whereas, whereas just changing say, gamma, the gamma on your monitor well, then yeah but i don't have a problem with any of the rest of it and i um you know i can spend hours in elsewhere absolutely hours it's weird it's very strange 
Well, since Alara's computer has completely bit the dust, it's probably a good time for us to sign off and say goodbye for the night. And anybody else have any final thoughts they wanted to throw in before we say goodbye and wait until we meet again next week? It's super sad that Alara's computer died midstream. Like mm-hmm. it is super sad. How how twice sad is it? Like looking up. Oh, you want know my computer needs a new processor. Processor dies while you're looking up a new processor. Yeah, that's just that's tragedy. Before the error we, uh, message is W H E A on correctable error. Oh dear. Hey. <laughs> I wanted to share a very evocative me- um, description from Skyrim Very Special Edition that I think might apply to Baratron's situation. As you're walking through a mountain dealing with a quest that you've been sent on, the glare of fresh snow leaves you squinting. Perhaps your gamma is turned up too high? <laughs> is that actually in the Very Special Edition? Yes, that is one of the room descriptions. Amazing. I need to get the very special edition, but I think it's only actually available in the US. It is. And I don't even have an Amazon Echo. I'm not allowed to. You can just get it on your phone. Yeah, you can get it on your phone. I just downloaded the app. And then you have to say that you're. I'm not allowed to call it Alexa because I I have an Alexa and she's very, very annoyed to share her her name with a program. But yes, I. You can just have to change your name. (laughs) The program. You can rename the Alexa program, not your friend. You can have it say computer. That's my favorite one. Computer. Probably be easier to change, get your friend to change their name. <laughs> Legally oh. change your name. Awesome. Well, on behalf of myself, Alara, Baratron, Lost in Hyrule, and AKB, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Hope you guys have some fantastic <laughs> adventures in Nern, and everybody be good to each other. Bye for now. Rest in peace, Alara's computer. Mm-hmm.